compatriots, comrades, and chums, the Roto Play Network welcomes you to What's Your Role, the show that goes behind the scenes of your favorite actual play podcasts. And here's your host, Jimmy Sprinkles. Greetings, listeners, and welcome to the Roll to Play Network's What's Your Role? The show that takes a spyglass to the character sheets of your favourite actual plays and asks the important questions, like why did I spend a thousand gold pieces on this spyglass in the first place? My name is Jimmy Sprinkles, and with me this evening is the cast of Roll Out, the Young Vanguard, a mask's actual play with more hearts than a game of poker in a cardiology department. <laughs> welcome, guys. Thank you. Oh, you. You hit us in the feels immediately. That was. It's a good. It's a good. It's a good. It's a good tagline. Uh, we should, you know. You are welcome we to use that. it. Let's rip it off. Okay, so before we begin, if we could just go around the metaphorical table, and if you could just introduce yourselves and tell us the character that you play. We do want to do it in the the usual round robin style of our our podcast intro, and I'll go first. Yeah, sure. Hi, everybody. My name is Lee. I play uh, Paige on the Rollout podcast, and I use the Nova Playbook. Paige's pronouns are she, hers, and my pronouns are they, them. Hi, I'm Ashley. My pronouns are she, her. I play Beep Boop on the podcast, whose pronouns are also she, her, and uses the Newborn Playbook. My name is Evan. My pronouns are he, him. Uh, I play Ian Hannert, the get-up noise on the podcast, whose pronouns are also he and him. Uh, in the early episodes of the podcast, get-up uses the uh, delinquent playbook. Uh, in season two, he uses the protege playbook. And for the first time ever, I'm introducing myself as the other Evan, because I'm Evan Saft, your friendly neighborhood GM, because I play everyone else on the show. Okay, then. So, listeners, I'm just going to give you a quick overview. We're in the business of exploring characters on this show. We want to learn as much about you folks as possible. And I'm just going to start with a, a little bit of a warm-up. Let's get those brains working. So, all I'm going to ask you, first of all, is what is your character's favourite pizza topping? Oh, it's plain cheese. <laughs> of course. <laughs> Listen, I don't understand um, why there is so much debate about pineapple on pizza. Listen, I, I don't understand because sweet foods and salty foods are good together. It's you gross, like. Ian. That's why nobody likes it because <laughs> no, it's gross. It's, it's good. It's good. Listen, we have made too many artificial distinctions between breakfast food, lunch food, and dinner food. All times of day are times for all food. Pineapple is not just for breakfast. It's a dinner food. There is breakfast pizza. You know yeah, that, right? Are you suggesting that pineapple goes on breakfast pizza? Because I have a bigger problem with that. Why couldn't you put pineapple on a breakfast pizza? I feel like pineapple is very rarely a breakfast. Like people normally have pineapple kind of as a desserty thing, less as a breakfast food. Anyway, it goes I'm gonna on put a pizza. Poll online. Let's find out. <laughs> <laughs> And I think right there, we've set the bar for today's episode. <laughs> All right, so... Um, Jimmy, remember when you asked us if you were going to be comfortable with improv? <laughs> I know, I know. I shouldn't have worried, should I, in the slightest? <laughs> All right, well, Evan, I'm going to come over to you first of all. What I'd like to do is I'd like to set the scene a little bit. As the GM for Masks, what I want you to do is I want you to tell us where are we having this interview today? Where are we having this discussion? What would be a good place to have the young vanguard sat around having a chat 
Oh, I mean, so the the problem is, is as much as they'd love to be in their their home base, uh, known as the daycare, the only place where they ever congregate to talk about things is the good old diner of Lenny's, which would, of course, be where they're at. We're having a good coffee chat. <laughs> Amazing. You don't drink coffee. It's, Paige just drinks whipped cream. <laughs> By the can? Yeah, she she um she has like the puppuccino for humans. <laughs> okay, amazing. And I'll tell you what we should do before we progress on is um just find out a little bit about the system. So I'm vaguely familiar with Mask only since kind of mm-hmm. listening to you guys and critical bits and, and all that other good stuff that's out there. But in case we've got any listeners that haven't ever played the Masks or, you know, even heard of it, how would you describe it, Evan? So uh, Maths is a system by Magpie Games and specifically designed by Brendan Conway, um, which is designed around playing teen superheroes and all the struggles that they sort of face. So uh, a lot of it is focused on the uh, emotion, uh, the emotionality, and uh, the the self image issues that a lot of things like Teen Titans or Young Justice, or uh, I'm failing to pull more examples off the top of my head, but but all, all the good, you know, here here are the the people who are superheroes, but they're also dealing with the fact that they're going through puberty. They're they're having all the all the fun of having to both establish themselves as superheroes and as people in the world. And particularly what we like to deal with is how that, how that affects you on a personal level rather than necessarily uh, all the super antics. Now, of course there's tons of super heroics too in the system, but uh, a lot of that is derived from the emotional states of the characters. Yeah. And I mean, that, that really does come through, um, you know, and it's nice to see that focus because I think that's where, that's where the real storytelling comes from. So yeah, so that's mask systems. Okay. I'm going to ask you guys to do a, a, a little task for me now, but what I would like you to do, and I think we'll start with Lee. I would like you to, I want you to imagine for a moment that I've never listened to the show before. And I would like your character to tell me all about Ian, what what do I need to know about Ian? What what are his strengths? What oh, is, I get to describe another character. <laughs> yes, you do. <laughs> oh, I get to describe Ian. This is going to be hard. Um, and oh boy. Evan, what I will say is, you can when when Lee has finished, you can interject and either confirm <laughs> or refute anything that they might say. Can I start? <laughs> Go for it. <laughs> okay. So, um, Ian, Ian, um, definitely falls within the, the sort of, um, archetype for, um, teenage characters, specifically male teenage characters that I really like because he, he sort of starts out in the game as kind of like an aloof sort of like cooler than you personality. He definitely tries to keep his distance from the other characters. Um, he's like really into petty crime, which is fantastic. Uh, he's an aspiring um, EDM DJ. So that's where he gets his his code name from, the Get Up Noise. So he very much has this sort of air of being like cooler than everybody else. Like he sort of takes it upon himself to explain to Paige and Beep Boop like what being cool is. Like if you want to be cool, you have to be like this sort of thing. Uh, There's very much like no emotional closeness there, but in a way that isn't 
toxic, which is something that I really, I really enjoyed about his character. And then um, as we start to move further and further into the game, we see these barriers sort of break down. We, we see that Ian's family was like very emotionally cold towards him. And he very much had to push himself away from what they wanted him to be to sort of forge this sense of identity. And it turns out that that identity wasn't working for him. So the first arc was very much him sort of coming to grips with the fact that this this distance and this coldness and this aloofness was actually detrimental for who he was as a human being. So by the end of the the first arc, we see Ian sort of come into himself as this person who is, you know, not just feeling, but embracing the fact that he he does feel things for his teammates. He cares about them. And um, the the arc closes with Ian kind of assuming a, a position of leadership. That's how we see him in arc two. So he goes through this whole, um, like this inner crisis in the middle of arc one, but he comes out of it being um, just a, a genuinely great character. He's still kind of floundering because he doesn't really know how to deal with these situations. He's only like 17 years old, but he's <laughs> he is um, very much in the position now where he cares about his teammates and more importantly, he's okay with caring about his teammates. Amazing. Was that's that lovely. okay? I don't actually remember what I said. I kind of blanked there. So <laughs> that's fine. So, Evan, how would you like to respond to that? Is that all correct? I think it's definitely uh, all correct. Lee knows my character better than I do. And he's being Lee, nice when he says that. But. Lee has written like 66,000 word novel about my characters okay literally it changes every time i can't win this i used to say every time i give a number you boost it by 2000 no Um, it's 68 but um if there's one thing that i would just not necessarily like to, to to correct or or but like just sort of clarify a lot of what's going on with with ian is ian being cool and being a petty criminal and an EDM DJ and all of those things were very clearly an attempt to be liked because Ian's parents were were so cold towards him. Ian felt like being this kind of cool person was what was needed. Yeah, was what was needed to have friends, to be friends. And quickly, Ian realized that in the situation that he was in, being a superhero is that is not the way to get people to like you and it wasn't working and he didn't feel good about himself so the mindset that i always have when i'm when i'm playing ian is like what would you do to be liked if that was something that you really really wanted to do both you really really wanted to be liked but also you were kind of afraid of emotional closeness and it's interesting to see where that direction took the character as we sort of had, you know, adventures and character interactions that sort of made both me and him realize that the way to be liked was to kind of step up. Thank you. Okay. So, um, Ashley, how about you take the helm and uh, you give us the lowdown on Lee's character? Can I do this in character? You can. Yes. Beep, beep away. Am I allowed to curse? You can curse as much as you fucking yes. like. <laughs> oh, that's going to be fucking yes. fantastic. Okay. <laughs> okay. So I need you to imagine like the cutest, most adorable person you've ever seen. Like 
a puppy, but not a pug because pugs are monstrosities upon fucking humanity. But like the cutest puppy you've ever seen, covered in sparkles and rainbows and a human. But <laughs> they can also punch you with a fire fist. It is the coolest <laughs> fucking thing you have ever seen in your whole life. Paige is the most fantastic person ever. She needs to admit some feelings towards a certain someone at some point. I think she's a little afraid of the gay for the moment. Her family might not be the most supportive on it, but I ship it so hard. I am just waiting for her magical gay awakening, and she will be this happy little fairy of love. And seriously, most adorable fucking person you've ever seen. And she's learning to work through her emotions a bit. She tends to singe things when she gets a little overexcited but she's working on it she's getting better and she's you know opening up the team a bit i think we put a little pressure on her to be just so cute she's so cute because i got it (laughs) (laughs) Paige, would you like to respond I mean, oh gosh, Beepop is just like, oh, she's the coolest person on the team. And if she thinks I'm cute, I mean, oh gosh, I don't know what to, how to really respond. I mean, I mean, I am, I am working through some stuff. I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that I'm Catholic. So like, I'm always a little bit guilty about everything. And maybe my parents did have something to do with that. Um, oh gosh, um, people, why do you have to mention the crush that I have? We're not going to talk about the crush. It's just kind of like, you know, I was just 13 years old when I realized I could blow stuff up with my mind. And it's just been a really crazy trip from there. You know, first it was like, I could blow stuff up. And then it was like, I'm, ma- I'm making friends with supervillains. And then it's like, oh no, one of the supervillains wants to murder me because I made her girlfriend turn into a good guy. And now she's my teacher. And now I'm on a super team. And all of a sudden it's like, whoops, I might be the reincarnation of an Egyptian sun God. And you know what? I'm just trying to work through some stuff. You know, I'm 16 years old. I'm behind on my homework. Ashley hit the nail on the head, though. Paige is is very cute, but she is also just kind of working through some stuff. Um, I wasn't expecting her to have as much anxiety as she does when I made her, but that's one of the joys of having something as organic as an actual play going on, is we can watch these characters grow and change in ways that we haven't really anticipated. And by grow and change, they are all way more anxious than we ever anticipated. (laughs) And gay. <laughs> no, I don't think that's a surprise. Yeah. <laughs> Evan, do you have a character that you um you can you can bring into the fold to tell us a little bit about Beboop? Wait, which uh, Evan are you talking to? Yeah. Oh, um well he called himself Other Evan, but he's not Other Evan, he's Evan. You can call so. me GM Evan if, if GM that's, Evan, that's there we go. <laughs> uh well, I mean, so Oh god, I'm not going to try and describe you as Winthrop because I just murdered I, myself. With the affect that you were doing, I thought you were going for Rory. <laughs> Rory, Rory. Put your sunglasses here, buddy. One. Rory sucks. <laughs> Let's. No, I don't have my. I mean, sunglasses. I would vote like him, but yes. it would take an hour for you to do it. Um, Brockheim. No, no, we're I'm no. not gonna make them do post-production <laughs> for rock on voice. Anyways, anyways, anyways. Uh that's a sentence I say too much. Um yeah, so here's this kid. And quite frankly, who was I just having again? Beep boop. Yeah. So beep boop is well, quite frankly, 
she's a dangerous artifact. She is what we in the scientific community describe as an unknown variable. Uh, because quite frankly, she thinks that she's smarter than anyone, uh, including yours truly, the CEO and founder of Tartek. But nonetheless, uh, what it comes down to is that when you wake up and you suddenly have access to all of human knowledge through the wondrous idea that is the internet, you get carried away with things sometimes, particularly when you didn't grow up in an environment outside of that and instead just woke up in an underground laboratory. So I'm not surprised that she tries to push boundaries or that she again, we'll use that connection to the internet or in connection to all things technological to try and get ahead of people, me, still me. But really what it comes down to is she cares a lot. Uh, I'll say that she cares a lot about the people in her team. And maybe it'll expand beyond that. But I think there's an amount of clinicalness that comes with that robotic attitude. But hey, that's what uh, that's what we're trying to improve, right? Beep, boop. That sounds accurate. I really want to make a comment about that character, but I can't without spoiling uh, something. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I really just want to be... So I'll just say it's accurate for beep, boop up to a certain point. In Rory's experience, accurate. <laughs> I mean, to be yeah, if, we're, if we experience. are working from Rory's experience. So can you can you guys tell me a bit about Rory? Because I'm not sure if I've encountered Rory yet. Yeah. So um, Rory. So the the sort of conceit at the beginning of the Young Vanguard that we did in character creation was that everyone sort of uh, like there's a specific playbook in masks for being like the sidekick turned protege of another superhero and none of us started using that but everyone did want to sort of establish a superhero quote-unquote parent like they're not actually related to them but everyone has like their own relationship with a mentor character um that sort of e evolves as the as the story goes on um and one of those characters was uh, uh, our, our cast member who isn't here, Tristan, um, established Rory Tark, or <laughs> I believe he established Ro <laughs> Rony Tark. And yes. I, I forgot <laughs> that it had to be an actual name, and <laughs> not that he was named after his favorite pizza topping. Um, <laughs> that is but, how uh, the joke started. I remember this pizza. discussion. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, but uh, Rory is is your your quintessential uh, businessman turned superhero. Um, he is he he uh, as you might expect from the name, very very heavily inspired by uh, Tony Stark. Um, oh, I, Tony Stark. Yeah. Wait, Tony Stark. <laughs> what? I had no idea. <laughs> okay, I thought it was based on. Reed Richards. <laughs> uh, just as emotionally unavailable. What set him apart a little bit was in, in the same way that the, the Marvel movies has tried to do with trying to set up this whole relationship between him and Spider-Man. Rory really came from a place of what do you do when you sort of adopt a child out of obligation, but don't know how to handle children at all? 
<laughs> and all you really have is your mass fortune and a team of superheroes. <laughs> awesome. Yep. Um, okay. So there's one person who hasn't had a chance to talk about anybody's character yet. And we've done everyone. So other Evan, I've got another task for you. We're going to move into another quick round of something. I call this, how do you solve a problem like? So I'm going to put Ian's character into a situation. And I would like you to tell me how you would solve this problem. Are you up for it? Sure. Okay, so you're in the midst of a Code 4 event. Code 1 being universe ending, Code 2 being world ending, Code 3 being country topping, and Code 4 being city levelling. It goes all the way up to Code 50, which is like mild paper cut. Yeah, um, no, don't, don't worry, don't worry. <laughs> I have right here a list of all of those codes cross-checked. <laughs> I... Believe me, I got stuck on like a code 39 the other day, which is like water feature. So I, I understand. <laughs> okay, so an evil scientist and renowned supervillain. What is this supervillain's name? I, I was gonna say Evan, Evan, you 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 name you name him. You name him. Or her, uh, or I, them. Uh 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 all right. Um their probability. Mm, I like it. They, they affect probability fields to cause problems. Oh, shit, that's good. <laughs> oh, that's really <laughs> good. Really good. Hold that thought. Um, <laughs> <laughs> okay, so this supervillain has uh, kidnapped and genetically enhanced Halcyon City's beloved mascot. Now, this mascot is... Imagine like little Sebastian in Parks and Recreation. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That level of love. <laughs> For this mm -hmm. mascot okay what is this animal or this oh, creature i'm i'm gonna take this one i'm gonna take this one uh obviously it is a is this a, is this a living mascot or is this like gritty is this like little sebastian or gritty this is a this is a living mascot. oh okay because i was going to say you know the word the word halcyon also refers to kingfishers uh, that that small sort of beaked bird, but I don't know how you would keep that as a mascot. So it's uh, I mean, they it would look like zero. Big Bird. Yeah. Okay. So it's just a, it's just a very big it's a very big kingfisher. It's like okay. it's like it's like we're talking like skyjacks here. Okay. Well, this 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 kingfisher has been kidnapped and genetically enhanced by our supervillain. And it is currently wreaking havoc on the town. It's causing destruction everywhere to the point where life in Halcyon City, as we know it, could end. It All is right? pooping on everything. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Cars are being crushed. Would you believe that this isn't, this isn't our first bird menace? <laughs> oh, no, it's not. For whatever reason, Ian is the only superhero available to stop this mascot from causing destruction. Everybody else is probably out having fun. Yep. <laughs> it's just you and this I had king to stay home and do homework. <laughs> it's just you and this kingfisher. You could destroy the creature, thereby saving the city from destruction, but you would also be known forever as 
the superhero who killed the beloved mascot, King Halcyon. What do you do? Well, um, <clears throat> lethal lethal force should probably be avoided. It's not the animal's fault. Um, but clearly we've got to get this conflict somewhere where it is a little less uh less destructive so luckily halcyon city is right by a a wonderful beach um so i guess what i would do is first i would use my very loud voice and very 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 professional powers of authority um to uh to yell a lot until everybody got off the beach um worst comes to worst then i'm just known as the guy who uh who ruined a beach and you know i guess that killed chris christie but you know it works for me um but um then i would uh i would i would warp back to where uh king halcyon was causing uh causing havoc and i would distract king halcyon with something that birds like uh the the, the sound of again very loud i'm i'm very loud um birds usually like other birds um it's kind of old hat but you know i i once was able to get some cows uh to stop causing problems with some sexy cows uh making the sound of a sexy cow so i guess i would make the sound of a sexy bird and i would run from the center of the city to the beach while making that sound if i got the bird to the beach look birds want to be on the beach just like everybody else so bird would probably stay on the beach until someone else could use a power that actually, you know, how am I going to say this? A power that um, actually does something and, <laughs> and use that power to, uh, to, to sort of, sort of fix some things up. So yeah, uh, lots of yelling. Um, that's, that's the number one thing. Yelling. Thank you very how much. How often have you annoyed birds? <laughs> Uh, a lot. It comes up a lot. Um, <laughs> you see sound, birds, you know, it's kind of my thing. All right. So I'm going to ask the rest of the Vanguard, is Ian successful in his endeavors? My oh, method man. to do things is also bring up sexy animals of the same type of animal. So I would vote yes, because that was my plan. Yeah, I mean, I feel like it It definitely gets to the beach. I don't, I don't know what happens at that point. <laughs> <laughs> like at that point you've just got this giant bird just like hanging out beach episode we had one of those we have one. <laughs> another beach episode hey there can never be too many beach episodes i mean ian ian's usually smarter than we give him credit for he probably has this one down but i'm worried that bird is that giant bird is going to start eating whales when it gets to the beach listen listen it's an animal. Whales are animals. This happens. <laughs> Ian is just watching this giant kingfisher like come down and like snatch a beluga out of the water, and he's like, "This is the mystery of the dance." Look, look. You wouldn't, you wouldn't, you wouldn't stop it if it was happening on planet Earth. Ian, I've got bad news for you about where we live. No, I mean the TV show Planet Earth. No, my parents don't watch. let me watch nature documentaries. They were too thrilling for me. I wasn't able to sleep all night, and I got a bad grade on a test the next day. 
Okay then, right, so we are going to have a quick break there and hear a a fabulous promo from um, one of the awesome pods which will be coming up in future episodes. But before we go, I have a special guest to introduce you all to. We're going to be playing one quick round, so this is something to think about whilst our promo plays. So our next round is going to be called uh, Bards Against Humanity, and I'm going to be introducing you to a very beloved and special character on What's Your Role. Her name is Loveday Spraggins, one of the finest bards in Great Britain, and she will be asking you a question. All you need to do is fill in the blank. Loveday, are you there, my angel? such a way with words. (laughs) So what have you got for our players this week? I'm sorry, sir, but I couldn't complete the homework because of... blank. I'm sorry, sir, but I couldn't complete the homework because of blank. Thank you, Love Day. A pleasure as always. We'll be hearing the young Vanguard's responses in just a few moments, but first, a quick promo from one of our friends in the TTRPG community. In the Witchgrave Covenant, like many other fantasy realms, it's the heroes that save the day. Slaying dragons, rescuing villages, delving dungeons, they're the people you go to when evil is afoot in the land. Ever wonder what happens when those heroes aren't around? Sometimes, when sinister forces are at work, the only people you've got to call on are the town doctor. I'm not going to lie to you, this is going to hurt. That crazy lady who raises mules. You have to be glossy at all times. <laughs> and the gnome kid that runs the dispensary. You know Big Milo down at Newbridge? He's got mules as well. That's right. It's time for the NPCs to step up and save the day. I think I killed someone. I did kill someone. <laughs> You were healing trauma on one of the most renowned highwaymen in the area. Also true, but... Ain't no mule, that's a donkey. What? Or maybe they'll just make everything worse. The Session Tapes, Children of the Covenant. Fridays at www.thesessiontapes.com. Also available on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And welcome back to part two of What's Your Role? Now, before the promo, we asked our lovely cast, the Young Vanguard, a question. So let's find out how they managed to answer it. So, Lee, starting with you. I'm sorry, sir, but I couldn't complete the homework because of... Catholic guilt. (laughs) Evan. I'm sorry, sir, but I couldn't complete my homework because of... Oh, this is me. Um, <laughs> because I... I had to do other homework. Ashley. I'm sorry, sir, but I couldn't complete the homework because of... A sentient gourd ate it. <laughs> and GM Evan. I'm sorry, sir, but I couldn't complete my homework because of... Temporal anomalies. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, I'm going to award, in the style of whose line is it anyway, I'm going to award Lee 75,000 points uh, for Catholic guilt. Um, Get me on the board, baby. Because I feel that pain right there. (laughs) Right. Okay, so let's move on then, shall we? I'm just going to ask the players now about highlights of your superhero career. 
What are some of the things that you've really gotten a kick out of playing these characters? What have been your your favorite moments in Young Vanguard? The moment I became a mecha anime. <laughs> yeah, that was a really good one. I have to say, a lot of my favorite moments do um, come up when we wind up using our powers in a way that um, is it a shock to everybody, including the person playing them. <laughs> like new, new and innovative uses for superhero powers are a very good one. <laughs> so what's been your most innovative use so far? Uh, gosh, you know, I painted myself into a corner with this because I don't think Paige has actually done anything particularly new or innovative with her powers. <laughs> I think, um, you know, one of my favorite moments for, for me, and this is like a very me-focused answer, but, you know, I can do that sometimes. Um, Ian's moment of truth uh, from the end of season one was a really, really dramatic moment and really, really important for me. And also is one of those examples of using a power sort of in a cool way, because there's, I'm not going to spoil it, because I think that it's one of the major, like, climaxes of season one, but um, kind of like the idea of sampling as a superpower plays a role, which is kind of something that I had wanted to do with, with Ian the entire time, and it was good that it finally showed up somewhere. One of my answers was actually going to be Evan's answer. Um, I thought that Ian's moment of truth was a very sweet way to sort of cap off the character arc that he had um, going through arc one. Um, I have a lot of favorite moments from arc one. Arc one is one that like I got super invested into the point where there were a couple of times I was messaging GM Evan and I was like, is everything going to be okay? <laughs> I'm worried. I care so much it's about like everybody in this podcast. It's like you got so invested. You wrote a NaNoWriMo fanfic about one of those characters who was not you. I sure did. I think, like, I'm really spoiled for choice on favorite moments from Arc 1. Um, one of my favorites actually has to be, um, there's a, a moment where um, Paige's mentor figure, Diana, finds out, I don't know how much I should be spoiling. Hmm. Uh, I mean, you can, you can say like, you know, I, I would say let's, if it's anything that's like revealed, let's try and keep it a little close to the chest just so that, you know, people don't necessarily come here and be like, ah, oh, you spoiled it. Now I'm not going to listen. Don't have to but listen like, to anything now. Mom's I mean, <laughs> you know, we can say, you know, Diana, you know, learns about some connections or. or yeah. Um, Diana learns about a, um. A sort of a, a connection that she has to an overarching plot element. Um, and I'm I like I have a lot of emotional connection to Diana because she is Paige's mentor and I sort of designed her from the ground up to sort of be a, a very flawed person who's sort of um working through her own trauma, but also trying to be a good like mentor figure to this this young girl who looks up to her. So she um she finds out that um she's got a, a connection to an overarching plot thread and she kind of like blue screens and um, says like, fuck this, fuck everything. I don't want anything to do with any of you right now. And she sort of like shuts herself down and seals herself up in her room. And there's um, plot stuff that needs to happen with the rest of the main cast. And Paige actually makes the decision to say, I can't go with you guys. Um, I need, like, I would love to go with you guys. She has an extremely good reason to go with them, but she says my like 
I would be derelict as a person basically to go with you guys and abandon my mentor. So Diana says like, I like leave me alone. I don't want anything to do with you. So what Paige does is she just kind of like camps out outside of Diana's door. And it mirrors a scene that we had earlier in the, the season where Paige is in her room sort of kind of like freaking out and Diana sits down on the other side of her door and says, I'm not going anywhere. I'm right here with you. I love how much you guys care about these characters. And I that, care that, so much, and that and that and it does, and it sh- and it shines through completely in 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 the show. Um, you know, and I think you know that's that's the mark of a good show, and the fact that you know that you're you're so invested in that, and you know, obviously, you know, credit has to be given to GM Evan as well for creating this amazing world, and I think it's time to put GM Evan on the spot. Actually, oh goodness, I think it might be time Hot for time. another little challenge. So, um, I want to see how well Evan knows his players' characters. So, what we're gonna do, I've called this round It's Canon. <laughs> Obviously, it doesn't have to be canon, but if you want to make stuff canon, that's great. So, this is just gonna be a variation of the game. Two truths and one lie. So, players, what I'm going to ask you to do is I'm going to ask you to give us two truths and a lie about your character. And GM Evan, I would like you to tell us which one is the lie. Okay. Um, We're going to... We're going to make this a little bit tough. This doesn't necessarily have to be anything, refer to anything that has happened in the show so far. Um, but if you know your characters, if you truly know your characters, you would, you would know which was the lie, surely. Oh, I'm, I'm ready. <laughs> uh, this is going to be a problem for me because I'm like 99% sure that I've told them more stuff about page than any other member of the cast including my own partner other evan (laughs) i mean i'm gonna say this ahead of time and it's not really much of a spoiler gm evan knows more of my character's backstory than i do that's true (laughs) Uh, i just i just made stuff up right now um but one of them is a lie GM Evan technically might know more about my character's backstory than i do as well (laughs) At least you have memories. I got are, I got this ready. I'm good for this though. They are the keeper of secrets. Okay. <laughs> Who wants to go first? I um I had to rack my brain when we got this prompt to figure out um a lie about Paige. <laughs> okay, I mean I'll 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 read the three that I that I had come up with. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh okay. So um this is like two truths and a lie, right? So um two of these things are true and and one of them is is a lie. Uh, so, um, the first one is uh, the first the first petty crime I ever committed was stealing uh, a CD copy of U2's "Rattle and Hum." <laughs> it's not even a good album. I don't know why I did it. Evan, why are you like this? The the second one on my list is that I can play five different musical instruments. And the last one here is I've eaten a bagel. <laughs> um, like recently? Oh, no. <laughs> no, ever. <laughs> Just ever. Uh, 
Oh, okay. All right. Well, so I think I'm going to have to go with with the uh the first crime because I feel like Ian's first crime would have been more trying to be cool. Uh and like even Ian knows you two isn't cool. <laughs> yeah, um you know, honestly, I was going to make it canon that uh, Ian had never actually eaten a bagel, but um, I, I like yours better. Uh, so I'm going to I'm going to say that you're right. <laughs> Amazing. Next episode, Ian eats a bagel. <laughs> uh, and uh, yeah, Rattle and Hum is a really bad album, guys. It does not hold up. <laughs> Everyone was convinced it was like the best album in the world for like a year there. And I have no idea why. See, this is the great thing about interviewing us is that you get great character insights, but also you get fantastic PSAs. <laughs> Ashley. Okay, so this is Two Truths and Lie from before I joined the team. Yeah, I mean... Um, no, I got I got... Um... I was not conscious in a supervillain's basement. A tiny spider who I decided to name Charlie made a home in my chest, and I was a flying purple unicorn. Hmm. Really, really putting me through my paces here, Ashley. Uh, I mean, I'm going to have to say you were conscious. You were conscious that whole time. No. I can't believe you didn't guess I was not a flying purple unicorn. Also, the spider named Charlie is now a canon character. <laughs> in your chest. Hell yes. Evan, come on. We've all seen Into the Spider-Verse by this point. <laughs> Beep Boop is just on loan from that movie. <laughs> all right. I guess it's me. Um, okay. I think, I don't know if you're going to be able to get this one, but uh, um, I figured, I figured I'd give it my best shot. So... Um, my favorite animal is horses. I have a poster of Joan of Arc in my bedroom. And I briefly had a crisis of faith where I flirted with Episcopalianism. I mean, it's, it's gotta be horses cause you, cause you don't have any horse plushes. Got it. <laughs> I, um, we mentioned briefly in chat that, um, and I re somehow remembered this, um, it's canon that Paige is not a horse girl because she thinks that they're scary. <laughs> I didn't remember that. I was just like, there's yeah. no way if it's your favorite animal, you don't have a much of it. Or like 15 different like holographic posters up in her room. Lisa Frank all over the place. Yeah. <laughs> Ah, well, two for three, guys. <laughs> two for three. I think that was uh, pretty impressive. Please don't tell my parents about the Episcopalian thing. <laughs> it would break their hearts. I thought you were about to say you flirted with someone who was Episcopalian, <laughs> not flirted with. Oh, I don't know if my parents like... would support that kind of interfaith relationship. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so we've delved into the past a little bit. I want to think about the future now. And where where you'd like to see your characters in a year's time? What are your hopes for your characters 
Well, she's going to have to come out eventually. That's on the to-do list. (laughs) Um, Paige's, um, one of the, I don't exactly know where Paige's story arc is going to end. And I try not to think about it too much because I don't want to um, sort of pigeonhole myself into taking the character in a direction that doesn't feel natural based on what does happen within the course of the the podcast. So Um, would you say that things are quite organic in, in terms of character development? I'm like at least I at least so. partially like there are like I do have what I call a, a shopping list of things that I would like to accomplish for the the episode that we have coming up. Um, Paige has certainly moved in a direction that I didn't anticipate her moving in. One of the things that I would like to see the kid do is um, sort of become um, self-actualized. There's a lot of aspects of her personality right now that she is very afraid of for a bunch of different reasons. Part of it is because Paige as a a person up until this point has kind of been um, sort of like the cute character and sort of like the the kid sister. And she doesn't quite know how to envision herself outside of that role. And more and more, she is finding herself in a position where she does have to be more than that. Okay, thank you. Ashley, what about Beep Boop? Beep Boop, a lot of her moving forward also has to kind of do with the fact she doesn't quite know her past or what she is. And I think it's slowly coming through of her kind of recognizing herself as whoever she is, as just her. Um, A lot of her personality comes through in just how she has relationships to other characters and people. And I think she just needs to learn who she is and who herself is and not who she's expected to be. Okay. Thank you very much. And other Evan? I think there's something to be said about get up gaining some degrees of confidence. Um, I know I've been a lot more comfortable playing sort of like late season one, early season two get up. And I'd like to think that that sort of symbolizes a, a potential for him to grow into a role and grow more comfortable with a role. Um, so yeah, it's just, I don't want that to happen too fast because that would feel very inauthentic, but I'd like to think that someday there is a competent get up out there. Awesome. And Evan, GM Evan, I should say, where do you see the the story headed for the for the future? What's I mean, what's your your dream scenario? What's the one thing that you'd really like to do with the show? Without obviously giving away spoilers. Sure. Yes, sure. Evan, tell us where you want us to go. Uh so give us the notes. <laughs> so uh it's it's interesting in that um a, a lot of my quote-unquote plotting doesn't really happen over like the course of arcs or anything a lot of it comes down to uh, i try to be just as reactive as the players are in setting up a situation and then seeing where it goes and seeing how it evolves where we are now um has been dealing a lot uh you know our, our first arc deals a lot with sort of external forces and a lot of it dealing with like parental trauma and uh, how that affects children. Um, our second arc that we're moving to now is is a bit more in the idea of self-definition. And I really like to see when the the kids take more initiative. Um, that's that's always my favorite bit to the story is is when the kids aren't necessarily just reactive to what's going on. Um, but sort of moving the story themselves. So ideally this doesn't come off as, as lazy as a GM, but 
I really like seeing more plot threads that are sort of initiated by what the characters and in so as well the the players are moving towards. And then there's yeah. also the part of me that's like, oh, hey, let's go to space so we can hit different planets and bring in guests. We uh, <laughs> we we keep talking about going to space. Um, Where it, do you want this podcast to go? <laughs> and in the best Tim Curry voice, you can say space. <laughs> oh, see, my brain went gaze in space. space. <laughs> Star okay, Trek so- already exists, Ashley. <laughs> Okay, I can't access new episodes, so I'm making my own because I don't have CBS All Access. All right. No, no, I'll be, I'll be down for space. Space sounds good. It's a, it's a good place. I, I hear, I hear that you know, real estate's pretty cheap. Yeah. Although you got to be careful with the airport. Space airport is a pain at seven o'clock at night. Traffic's horrendous. Um, okay, we are going to pretty much wrap it up there. But before we do, cast of the Young Vanguard. Thank you so much for uh, being so fabulous this evening. Oh, thank um, you and for thank us. you. And making thank you. my first session as, as easy as humanly possible. I've been a big, hot, sweaty mess for the last three hours. Me too. <laughs> I just hey. always am. So yeah. Yeah. Welcome to also- the Anxiety Club. <laughs> But no, thank you very, very much for being on tonight's show. I'm sure there's something. Yes, we all need to do plugs and whatnot. So if we could uh, just go that around the table. Lee, you want to start it off again, and I'll I'll close it out with it with all the all the podcast stuff. Yeah. Um. So my my primary project right now is a rollout podcast with the Young Vanguard. You can find me on <laughs> my primary project because I got like fifty thousand of the fucking things. Um. You can find me on Twitter at it's Hamhawks. So I'm also going to be involved in Apex City. I am going to be featured in their Gold Age one shot as Norma Kelly, aka The Silence. Uh, that's going to be dropping um, eventually. When it does, I will be plugging it on Twitter again at It's Hamhawks. Um, I don't really do any other podcasts, but I will be at Steel City Con on December 9th, hopefully with some young Vanguard merchandise, which I'll be giving away for free at my partner's chain mailing booth. I was about to say, we say merchandise. Yeah. <laughs> it's not like we're selling it. <laughs> it's free. It's free. It's if you swag. Want, if, you're, if you live, yes. If you're in the Pittsburgh area and you're going to Steel City Con and you want some free mask swag, find Crimson Weaves, because besides Chainmail, I'll be there maybe in a Chainmail bikini top giving away that stuff. So you can find me um, usually on Twitter at Uncle Petunio. Uh, uncle like the relative, Petunio like the flower, except with an O instead of an A. Um, uh, otherwise, I mostly do stuff on um, rollout, uh, but also you can find my writing, my voice, voice and writing and art semi-regularly on uh, the website toughpigs.com, uh, which is a Muppet fan site. And uh, here's where I feel very self-conscious as I'm just going to list out a whole bunch of stuff. So, hey, <laughs> find me on Twitter at Names Equipped. You can find games that I make like Be Gay Do Crimes at Saftware. That's S-A-F-T-W-A-R-E dot itch dot I-O. Uh, you can, of course, find me making and producing and doing so much stuff on Rollout. 
you, which you can find at Rollout Podcast on Twitter or search iTunes for your various or whatever podcatcher that you're using. We actually have surprisingly good SEO. Um, so if you search Young Vanguard or if you search Rollout, you'll find us. And um, otherwise, I guess, oh, and one more thing. You can also hear me on the new Poplar Kids uh, podcast. And that's that's all I'm going to list. I've, I'm, I'm, I'm good. Evan, good. Do, you have, do you have time to plug your Kickstarter? Uh, I don't I think say, What about is... Kickstarter? I, I don't think this will be out by the time that Doikai is over. Okay, uh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Because there's like seven days left on that. And yeah, I doubt no, no. this is going out this bad. I totally didn't twicky it. You were on Poplar Kids. Yeah, yeah. I listened, um, I listened to it the other day. That fucking music is amazing. Oh, it's rad. It's, it's, it's so got a rad good. intro track. It's so good. Okay, right. Well, let's just wind it up there. What's Your Role is part of the Role to Play Network. You can catch all our fabulous shows, including uh, the Red Death and Role to Play Network, where we host, uh, well, I say I, but uh, Kent Blue hosts some wonderful uh, one-shots with an assortment of fantastic players. And you can uh, follow me at What's Your Role or me personally at Jimmy Sprinkles with two S's at the end or my podcast, which is Brits on Bikes, um, which is at Brits underscore bikes. But for now, thank you very much for listening and we shall be back very soon with another episode of What's Your Role. Thank you for listening to What's Your Role featuring Jimmy Sprinkles as your host and Fiona Howard as Love Days Praggins. If there's an upcoming guest or info on how you can join Jimmy and Love Day, be sure to follow us at What's Your Role or contact us at RollerPlayNetwork.com. What's Your Role is a Roller Play Network production.